Hello and welcome to another episode of the University of Bath Thought Train. I'm your host, Sam Bradley. Today I'm joined by Naomi Deering, researcher in civil engineering with DCARB, and we're talking about fake poo. How are you doing, Naomi? I'm well, thank you. You're very well, good. I think, well, it's not a lot of people that can say that they work with fake poo. I think, first of all, can you talk us through what you do here at the university? Yeah, so... Uh, basically, what we do is we have this recipe for fake fecal sludge. Um, fecal sludge is different from what you or I would deposit in the toilet mm-hmm. um, because it comes from a pit latrine or a septic tank. It's sat for a while. It hasn't been moved through a sewer. And lots of people in developing countries rely on those types of latrines to deal with their waste. So it's actually 2.7 billion people reliant on site sanitation systems for their waste. So we obviously have a situation where people poo, people pee, mm-hmm. they don't have anywhere, you know, I mean, it just goes, goes into, into a, a pit. pit. Yeah. Then the pit fills up because you don't pee and poo once a year. Uh, so the pit fills up and now what's happening is that these pits are left to either overflow or they're emptied manually, which normally involves someone with a bucket and a spade. Really low tech. Really low tech and really, 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 really unsafe. Mm-hmm. How mean, so? They will, they will end up in the pit, ah. shoveling it out. Wow. Um, it's really not a good, not a good thing no. going on. Um, and basically. There are so many germs and so many things that make people really ill in all that fecal sludge. So if they leave the pit latrines to overflow or if they just empty them manually, the person who's emptying stuff, they're going to get sick. Most of the time it's emptied into an open drain or just a lake or a field. So it's going back straight back into the environment. People are getting really sick. And it's just this continuous cycle. So the reason I am making fake poo and why it has something to do with this entire situation is that um, one of the ways that we can treat this fecal sludge is to dry it on these drying beds. Mm -hmm. So they're just these big rectangles with um, a layer of gravel, a layer of sand. Sludge goes on top. So the sludge will water will drain out of the sludge and it will evaporate off. And then they can scrape the sludge off and compost it. And then you can either just dispose of it safely or you can use it in agriculture as a soil conditioner. Like a fertilizer. So we try not to say fertilizer because fertilizer would tend to involve putting it onto crops. And people get a bit antsy about putting human manure, like human manure on crops. So it's easier, especially in countries where maybe like with cultural things or religious things, it's easier if we just go for the soil conditioner because then you just mix it into the soil, never touches anything, get all the nutrients and stuff, and it's a lot better. It's a lot more marketable, I think. Mm -hmm. And Sanitary, if you'll forgive the pun. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so what we're doing now at the University of Bath is using this fake poo recipe to see, first of all, can we fake fecal sludge drying? And if we can, then 
what temperature does the sludge get to as it dries because that is the key if it gets to a big like a high enough temperature then more and more germs will be killed off and then that means it's safer to dispose of and the less time it needs to compost because as it composts the temperature rises in it as well okay there's a lot of information there so i'm gonna go back through it <laughs> just break it down so you make this fake poo yep. to simulate conditions in third world nations, developing nations that don't have uh, the sanitary infrastructure, I guess. Yeah. So you make the fake poo to then recreate the conditions in these nations to think of better, safer ways to dispose of human waste. Is that an accurate summary? Yeah. Okay. Wow. How did you get into that, can I ask? Uh, so... I did my undergrad degree in civil engineering. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in Ecuador in South America. Okay. And um, so... You travelled around a lot as a kid, I've, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've been about it, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hence the weird accent. But well, so... I didn't want to mention <laughs> uh, So basically, when I was in my final year of my engineering undergrad, I went back to the organization that my parents were out in Ecuador working with, mm -hmm. who were a mission organization. They specialize in radio and community development and healthcare. Mm -hmm. So I went to them and just said, I want to do my thesis on something that is actually maybe going to have an impact uh, rather than just for the sake of it. Uh, so they gave me a few things that I could research for them. One of the things was designing a waterless latrine for use in the Amazon rainforest because they have a very high water table. So digging a pit doesn't really work. What's and a water table? So a water table is the level of water under the ground. Right, okay. So if you were to dig a pit in the Amazon, you would find water very high up. Because it's quite humid. Because it's, yeah, because okay. it's very humid. It rains all the time. It rains every day. Um, so a desert would have a very low water type, for low. example. Okay, yeah. good. So you would have to, if you wanted to find water in the desert, you'd have to drill like a borehole, mm -hmm. which goes like really, really far down, yeah. instead of just digging down a meter. Yeah. That's a well, isn't it, I guess? Yeah. Right, okay. I'm yeah. With you. Um, and the reason that's a massive problem is <clears throat> in the Amazon is because of all the malaria. And so if there's lots of water present, then you get all the mosquitoes and then you get more malaria. Okay. So they said you could try that. So I looked into it and that got me interested in sanitation specifically because at the time we were still doing what's called the Millennium Development Goals, which were goals set by the UN uh, to do with development, so different things like reducing infant mortality yeah. rates and illiteracy things yeah, like that. Yeah, so one of them was to do with sanitation, and we were way off making that goal. And that kind of was what got me first interested in sanitation and really sort of made me think, oh, actually, this is a really serious issue and we really, really need to address it. Mm -hmm. So then I went and did an international relations master's instead of civil engineering. Mm -hmm. I got my bachelor's, then did master's in something completely different, um, and was looking at what to do after applying for jobs and different things. This PhD came up, mm -hmm. which 
sort of merge them both quite nicely together. Yeah. So I applied for it and uh, they took me on. And so, that is how I fell into the world of fake food. What an answer. Did you think of the recipe? No, I didn't think of the recipe. Okay. Actually, Who thought of the recipe? Can we credit them? Yes. It's, the recipe has been built upon many times. Okay. Um, uh, people have developed fake food recipes for different reasons. You know, like nappies. Of course, right. They right, need right. to test. People use things, random things, like, you know, you can use mashed potatoes, refried mm -hmm. beans, different things, random stuff that won't necessarily give you a very scientifically robust okay. sort of. Uh, it just doesn't behave the same way. Because I guess poo changes from diet to diet, from nation to nation. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, and age-wise as well. Of course. Sex-wise as well, you know, depending on your sex, depending on um, how your digestive system works. Mm -hmm. Like, it can just vary completely. Doesn't that make it nearly impossible to get a uniform poo? If you know what I mean, it's, yeah. it does not make it really difficult. Yeah. To do that. So this, all of these recipes are based on very, very, very average data. Okay. So they sort of say that who generally is made up of like a third microorganisms, a third uh, carbohydrates, and then the balance is fats and minerals and things like that isn't there inorganic matter as well like stuff you eat like when you so like fiber yeah yeah that kind of thing yeah so that's kind of the very broad mm -hmm. kind of gist of it and so basically generic poo yeah that's the generic poo <laughs> okay. um so basically building on work that was previously done um nasa developed a recipe for fake poo but fresh poo mm -hmm. um to test waste disposal technology in the space of course uh so they built on a recipe that was previously done and then for a thing called the bill and melinda gates foundation toilet fair mm -hmm. uh the pollution research group in durban from ukzn i'm not going to pronounce the actual name of the university because so I don't know how to do okay. it. I would absolutely slaughter the pronunciation. <laughs> but so from there, they built on that recipe as well. Okay. Which, so they took the recipe and they altered it for different things, um, taking into account that fecal sludge is sat for longer, there are different components in it, there are different things that... Temperature, I guess, as well as a factor. Well, if it sits out somewhere really warm, or maybe not. Yeah, so the the climate would be yeah, definitely yeah. it would be a factor depending. It would if you have poo sitting in sitting in a pit, if it's really warm, it's likely to maybe have lost a lot more water than if it was really humid and mm -hmm. things like that. So they're taking into account all of these things. They came up with loads of different uh, recipes, and then tested all those recipes characterized them so they sort of did different tests like moisture content so you basically just take a sample put it in the oven for like two hours um take it out weigh it see how much has changed mm -hmm. and then you like put it back in for another hour take it out weigh it again see if it's changed and then you know how much moisture has come off yeah. so you know the moisture content and then you also know how like the total solids as well 
different things like that, finding out the density. There's been a lot of research into this, I can say. So, it's one of those things. It's very new. Oh, okay. So, because this was only in 2014, mm -hmm. and uh, thankfully, my supervisor knew one of the researchers over in Durban. So, I was able to get a hold of their recipe, and also they very graciously provided me with uh, their data for all of the different recipes that they had and also for the real sludge that they tested. So that meant that then I could use that recipe. I tweaked it slightly because there are certain things that are more readily available here. How have you tweaked to take us through that? So they use instant yeast mm -hmm. to represent the bacteria mm -hmm. and I use brewer's yeast instead. Okay. So brewer's yeast. A brewer's yeast, yeah. Yeah, brewer's yeast. Okay. Brewer's yeast. Um, is not actually the yeast used to brew, mm -hmm. or it's not in that capacity. Yeah. It's the yeast after. Okay. So it's already been used, and it's inactive. So it means that it won't. You can't use it to bake bread. Right, for example, okay. it won't rise. Mm -hmm. So it's inactive. That was a problem when you were, and I'm skipping forward to when you tested, but that was a problem when you were testing it. The, the that it fake was rising, poo was yeah. rising. Yeah, and even though we're using brewers, you said it shouldn't rise, it's still rising. <laughs> <laughs> but we think, we think we've actually gotten, exactly. I think we've gotten to the bottom of it now, okay. thankfully. Um, so that was one change, and then the other change um, was for the cellulose mm -hmm. content. I replaced it's a thing called cotton linters and that comes it's a byproduct of the cotton milling industry okay and it's people use it to make paper paper uh, like a binding agent no no it's actually like they actually use it to make paper oh right so like wow. the cotton linters they like mix it into a pulp and then press it mm -hmm. and then that's like paper yeah I've got the recipe here and I'm like just gonna scrapbook paper I'm gonna move this piece of paper right from the mic um, yeah, hemp fibre yeast, shredded tissue, peanut yeah. oil, calcium phosphate and water. And that's what makes a University of Bath fake poo. Yep. According to this. So how do you test it? Test it for the characteristics or...? Oh, sorry. How do you um, test it? Uh, how do you recreate uh, the conditions um, uh, of one of these developing nations in the lab? So... So we have our fake poo, which yeah. we've, we've, gone, we've jumped through hoops to... To construct to make sure it's the right yep. consistency and whatever. So what what is the next stage then? So the next stage now is where we're at the minute. Mm -hmm. So we have three mini drying beds. Okay. And uh, we fill those with the gravel and the sand, so the filter. And then we basically I make like I have to make sixty liters of sludge. That's a lot of fake poo. It is a lot of fake poo. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure by the end of this PhD, I probably have made like 500 liters of the stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, something to go on the CV. Exactly. <laughs> it must be a record somewhere. Um, so basically what we'll do is mix it up, uh, pour it in a 27 meter layer mm -hmm. onto these drying beds, mm -hmm. and we have climate chambers in the architecture and civil engineering labs. Okay. So we have one of those with 
be honest, it looks a little bit like it's come out of Doctor Who. It's like a lot of pipes, basically uh-huh. like one big pipe with like different pipes coming off of it. Okay. And those pipes feed into the drying beds. Mm-hmm. So we will pump air of a certain temperature and relative humidity into the drying beds. To recreate the climate. Yeah, to recreate the climate. And then we will have a moisture content probe, which will tell us how much water mm-hmm. it's hopefully losing. Mm-hmm. And then we also have thermocouples, which okay. are like these little wires that go into the sludge and log the, the temperature in the okay. sludge in different places. Um, so because the pilot project before all of this started was in Bangladesh, in Faridpur, mm-hmm. uh, we're using that climate data. Okay. So that's the specific sort of relative humidity and temperature conditions that we'll be using. Um, and so we have three different types, one for rainy season, one for monsoon season, one for dry season. Mm-hmm. And the aim of the game is to get the moisture out so it dries so you can then mix it in with the, the soil. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and how, how's it going so far? What kind of results have you had? Because the, the drying beds are one of a few methods that people are trying and experimenting with, I guess. Yeah, so they are definitely not by any means the only way okay. to deal with uh, a fecal sludge. Mm-hmm. But again, going back to this pilot project, because it, it was in Bangladesh um, and it was Water Aid Bangladesh approached my supervisor who worked at the time for Borough Happold Engineering in Bath mm-hmm. um, to come up with a solution for this issue. And one of the main things they said was it couldn't affect existing toilet technology. Okay. So there are other ways to deal with the waste, but that would potentially affect existing toilet technology. And you have issues with trying to get people to use a latrine in the first place. Mm-hmm. And if they're using a one type, then trying to change them to use a different type and there's just like a lot of logistics and lots of education and ongoing sort of things and so when they had looked at different options Mm -hmm. they felt that in this context using covered unplanted drying beds Mm -hmm. was the best way to do it because they're really simple right okay there's really no it's a passive system it's using the environment to dry the sludge. Okay. They have a roof to keep the rain off, and it really just involves putting the sludge in and scraping it off after 10 days to okay. cook compost. So it's all about simplicity for this. Well, that's the um, uh, sort of leads nicely into my next question about the global impacts of your work. We should say yesterday was uh, World Toilet Day, um, which is sort of your moment to shine, I guess, and it's why we've got you on the show. Um, and it's, I suppose, in the back of your head, like you've, like you've just sort of been saying, there is the aim that not only are we developing this to do good, but we're developing it to be as easy to use as possible so we can go into these places and say, hey, this is what we do now, and it's this simple, and we don't need to train you to use it, it's just a drying bed. What do you hope the global impact will be? Well, so we have two main questions to answer. Mm-hmm. And at the minute, the important one is, can we fake fecal sludge drying? Mm-hmm. Hopefully the answer is yes. Okay. And by being able to fake it, we can then 
come up with a, a chart basically that says this is my moisture content of sludge, these are my relative humidity and temperature conditions, this is how long I need to leave it in the drying bed, and this is when I take it out and compost it. Right, okay. And hopefully then that makes it a lot easier for people who don't necessarily have expertise or people who don't have PhDs in big mm -hmm. poo um, to use drying beds. Okay. So that's hopefully where we'll go with it. Yeah. Um, if it ends up that actually you can't fake it, that's not the end of the world either okay. because it just means that we can do more work on seeing how what we can do with the simulant to make it more like real sludge yeah what is the difference between it and real sludge why is it drying differently things like that mm -hmm. so okay so i read uh somewhere i think it's on the stuff you sent over that for every one dollar that you spend on improving sanitation infrastructure, you get, I think it's five and a half dollars back, you know, round sort of in a roundabout way. Could you yeah. take us into that? You dissect that a little bit more. So basically they say that uh, for every one dollar spent on increasing better sanitation, there's 550 return because you have fewer people getting sick. Mm -hmm. If there are fewer people getting sick, then they can work more. Mm -hmm. You have fewer people going to the hospital or needing medical assistance, so you're reducing healthcare costs. And you have just kind of the obvious one of, you know, they're reducing illness, reducing disability, and reducing early death, which is obviously a good thing. It's always a good thing, because <laughs> yeah, it, it kills. I mean, it's, it's funny to sort of sit here and say, oh, fake poo, it's, it's really weird, but... Poor sanitation kills nearly a million children every year, like 750,000 children every year. So there's so that's a real... Not, yeah, so children under five, 750,000 yeah. children under five. And that is not accounting for the number of children who miss school through uh, things like diarrhea, whose growth is stunted because they haven't gotten a sufficient amount of nutrients because of like diarrhea and diarrhea-related diseases. And um, just all those other associated health problems that can occur later on in life just because of that. So, so it's an issue that seems to span into many, many, many other issues as well. Yeah, definitely. Because we, we, you mentioned earlier the was it the Millennium Goals? Is yeah, that what it was. Yeah, the, the I think illiteracy was one of them. I guess if kids could get to school because they're not sick, that helps. So yeah, sort of helping that as well. Yeah, the thing with all of these development goals. Um, with the sustainable development agenda post 2015 now is that they are all interlinked mm -hmm. you know you can't just solve one and then move on there are lots of different things going on and we have to try and have an all-encompassing kind of view towards it so even though i'm coming at it from an engineering perspective like okay we have these drying beds this is how we can deal with this waste this is how it works scientifically these are the experiments that we've done if i was to go out and just chuck a giant bed a drying bed in some village somewhere mm -hmm. and say okay use it that's never going to work you know so we have to approach it from a social science point of view as well so we need people to want to use 
these dry beds and we need people to know why we need to use these dry beds or any sort of sanitation facility because for a lot of people it's just normal to just go go wherever and that's that and I think what people don't realize is actually not only is it just embarrassing to just have to go wherever but it's actually incredibly dangerous you know especially for women um, and girls because if they have to go to the edge of a village at night into the long grass they're really at risk of um, sexual assault Mm -hmm. and then you have also the added you know there are snakes there are wild animals all these things going on and it's incredibly dangerous and I think people just don't realize actually what a difference having safe sanitation and understanding good hygiene and being able to take the waste from your pit latrine and treat it properly, people just don't realise how much that changes lives. Mm -hmm. Is the ease of use and um, the way that it might slot into various cultures, I know you said you were were looking at the, is it uh, Bangladesh, the control group if you will, have you thought about that as you're designing these these methods you think about how easy it would be for someone who's like you said never had to deal with this before how easy it is for them to use does that factor into when you were developing the method or well so i didn't come up with the drying beds as a solution okay i'm taking the drying beds as the solution and making sure they work and seeing if we can get them to work as best as possible and to be as easy as possible to use. But when Burrow Happold were looking at the different types of things that they could use to deal with the, the waste, they settled on these dry meds because they were so simple okay. and easy to use. And I think really in development, simplicity is key. For sure, yeah. Especially when you're taking it into a village or wherever. Yeah. And saying this is what you've got to use. So how many people does this affect worldwide? How many people don't, for want of a better phrase, use the toilet or experience sanitation the way people probably listen to this do? So it's about two two point three billion people don't wow. have anywhere safe to go to the toilet. That's insane. You're also involved with uh, is it Toilet Twenty, the charity? Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so. Basically, Toilet Twinning uses a community-led development approach. Mm -hmm. By that, I mean they go into communities, they have workshops, they have discussions with the community, they talk to them about the issues with sanitation, they talk to them about, uh, you know, why are your kids getting sick? Could Mm -hmm. it be to do with the fact that you defecate in the open and things like that basically what they want is for the people themselves to say oh actually we want a toilet right okay. and then they facilitate the people building their own latrines okay so again you have ownership of it so it's the people themselves who build their own latrines mm-hmm. and they're facilitated by toilet twinning uh they toilet twinning also have hygiene education um and they also do sort of clean water programs as well. 
So what it involves is really simple. You raise 60 pounds, mm -hmm. send it to Toilet Twinning. They will then send you back a certificate of your Toilet Twin mm -hmm. uh, and with GPS coordinates. Amazing. So you can check to make sure that they haven't like ripped you off. <laughs> okay. It's not in the middle of the ocean or anything. So you, you can, can actually check where specifically your toilet is. You can Google Earth your yes. Toilet Twin. Okay. Yes, like absolutely. That. And it's good because you know, I mean, it it makes it transparent. You know, definitely, this is where my money is going. Great. Uh, and so then you like hang it up in your toilet, and that's great. And so how I became involved with it was because they now have a new initiative that's called Toilet Twin Universities. Okay. So you raise enough money to twin twenty six toilets across campus, mm -hmm. and then you get to call yourself a Toilet Twin University. Right, Great. and how close is the University of Bath to doing that? Well, we have just started. Okay. So today, mm -hmm. uh, we're having a bake sale uh, okay. outside the library. Okay. There's also one, uh, we have a roving trolley, in inverted commas, okay. <laughs> which uh, is going around uh, civil engineering buildings. Mm -hmm. Um, to raise money specifically for our department as well okay. because we have links with Zambia with the ACE to Zambia project so we would like to twin a toilet block in Zambia as well to kind of keep up the, the links for sure. um, and then any money that we raise from both of those bake sales will go to toilet twinning and any that is raised in from the bake sale at the library that will all go to twinning toilets in the union okay so if anybody wants to get involved mm -hmm. at all, Throw let me out. know. Yeah. Okay, come find I am. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Future Pew Doctor on Instagram and Twitter. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> and if anyone wants to get involved, if they fancy helping bake for any other bake sales, because we'll probably have more than one, mm -hmm. uh, or if they want to organize a bake sale for their own department so that their own department can have some toilet twins. Okay. Our Mads department have two toilet twins. Fantastic. So that's really great. Uh, yeah, just get in touch. We'd love to hear from you because we really need to talk a lot of poo. We do. We've talked a lot of poo today. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you so much for coming in, um, especially given that it was World Toilet Day yesterday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, that's fantastic. Naomi, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Like, listen, share, subscribe. This has been the University of Bath Fortrain.